crippling thoughts and dramatic mysteries, wonderful worlds of fantasy, denying love of the heart that beats within your chest, or is it just your imagination? Let's dive into a world of novels as we read books from all over, from writing and reading reviews to interviews, one-on-one sessions, and honest writing opinions. Let's keep it real on Mystical Mode. What's good, you guys? Mystic here, and welcome to another episode of Mystical Mode, where I give you guys my best opinions about novels and hopefully you won't kill me for them later. Today, we are reviewing a novel by the name of Every Waking Dream, which has a 4.8 in mystery and is written by the author, Lady Rawin. Now, this story is truly interesting for so many different reasons to me. One, I personally think the plot is super unique and super cool. Not just me being a biased standpoint because I am familiar with Lady Rowan, but just from a professional point of view, I definitely see potential in this story to a high extent of life. I don't know, I just never come across a plot like this and it's super exciting and it's super mysterious as well. But in the bio, it states, I've always been entranced with supernatural and romance, so much of my stories reflect that. I tried to follow for a follow and I'm up for review swaps, with a little smiley face at the end. Awesome. Reviewing stories and helping people out is so amazing. I personally love going through giving you guys reviews, giving you guys my opinions, helping you guys out to the best of my ability, and so much more. They also have a Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram account, so guys, like, share, follow, you know the jazz. But aside from that, this is the story called Every Waking Dream. As I've read through Every Waking Dream, I found so many cool key points and illustrations within this story. I liked it. I really, really did. I'm not really a mystery fan per se. I do like all genres. Of course, though, I have a strong bias towards romance. Of course, all of you guys are familiar with that by now. But still, I generally do not read a lot of mystery. So to have this story come up as mystery... It's very intriguing, very intriguing indeed. I do not know the general, how would you say, I don't know how you would write a mystery novel. It is very, very new to me, and the way that this has been written for me, for somebody who is not familiar with the genre, I think it's fairly good, and it's a nice read, and I would definitely recommend it to you guys as well. But aside from me, and aside from that, let's get into this more mystical mode as we read Every Waking Dream by author Lady Rawlin. This story is read and edited by Righteous Reaper and Haley Afford. Chapter 1. It happens when I'm asleep, and only when I'm asleep. When I was younger, my parents just thought I had a vivid imagination that fueled my dreams, but when the boy next door started recognizing me from his dreams, that's when I knew. Knew what? Dr. Claiborne asked curious by my sudden development and willingness to speak. My dreams weren't my own, and have never been mine. I answered as I bounced my knee from my chair hidden by her wide wooden desk in the cramped office of the hospital. The ticking of the analog talk resting above the office door pounded in my ears as I tried to steady my breathing, keeping it in rhythm to appear as unfazed as possible. Can you explain that to me? I would like to understand more, Aslan. Dr. Claiborne spoke calmly and precisely. I could tell she was choosing her words wisely, a trait she had no doubt learned to develop over the years after studying teenagers battling with addiction. I swallowed hard, wondering if I had said too much, 
A light sheen of sweat beaded upon my forehead. It felt like I was going through withdrawals all over again, as if this was my first day. I was never good at taking tests, and I felt like I didn't pass this one. I would have to say goodbye to everything I used to know. The safety net around my world was being ripped away, but I suppose this was the kind of admission these people were looking for. It started when I was young, I pressed on, ignoring the dryness in my throat. At first, I thought everything was normal because kids dream about their parents and people they see all the time. The first time I noticed something was off was when Charlie, the boy I used to live by, would tell me about his dreams. I knew about them long before he told me, because I had been there. You are saying that your subconscious connects with the subconscious of others through dreams. Dr. Claiborne reiterated for clarification. I... I suppose... It sounded crazy, utterly insane, even to my own ears. Years had passed without speaking a word of this to anyone. The fear had held me hostage then, and I could feel its icy grip squeezing around my neck, choking my words now. Dr. Claiborne straightened in her leather chair behind her desk and leaned forward, licking her lips as she contemplated my words. Out of all the nurses and staff that tended to the patients within the center, Dr. Claiborne was the only one who made me feel normal. It was the only reason I had allowed myself to confide in her, as well as my only way out of this place. You know, there's a term for that. She replied after a slight pause. Really? Yes. She leaned back in her chair, relaxing. Sigmund Freed was the first to speak of it. I'm sure you've heard about him from school, correct? I nodded. It was a name I knew in passing. I was too spaced out to pay attention to my classes during my junior year. Unfortunately, I was spending my summer before my senior year in a rehabilitation center because of my past transgressions. The only silver lining was that I was grateful I wasn't in a mental institution, even though sometimes I felt like I belonged in one. He spoke of a concept known as dream telepathy. It entailed the melding of two subconscious minds where the individuals could enter each other's dream worlds. She explained. While the concept hasn't been proven, nor can it truly be tested with science without entering into a world of parapsychology and superstition, it could hypothetically be possible. I frowned, my displeasure evident upon my face. So in layman's terms, you think I'm delusional. Sighing, I lowered my head and stared at my white tennis shoes given to me as part of my uniform over a month prior. It was the reaction I was expecting when I revealed myself to her. Bearing my soul had never done me any favors. Charlie thought the same thing too, I mumbled. I had a crush on him. The boy next door, I thought since he remembered me in his dreams that he would understand when I explained my story. He didn't, and that's when things went downhill. You've mentioned Charlie frequently in our discussions as well as in group. He seems to be one of the catalysts for your addiction. Would you like to talk about him? No, not particularly. My instant panic caused the words to rush from me, while I couldn't deny that Dr. Claiborne had said was true. It was a topic I was ready to take on. That boy, he broke me. As she regarded me with pondering eyes, her hand jotted down a few notes across my open file on her desk. I needed to salvage this session. Why could he only see me at certain times? Sounds like Charlie would need to be experiencing the phenomenon known as lucid dreaming to remember you specifically. Dr. Claiborne declared. Is that normal? Lucid dreaming? Sometimes. Not everyone can remember their dreams, and even few will become conscious during them. It's a state between the subconscious and conscious minds where people may control their dreams or change them. Were you ever able to speak to Charlie? Just once, whenever I tried to talk to someone, they would usually ignore me, I answered. It was kind of like watching a movie. Their movie. I can only see what they're dreaming about, but it feels real. It's extremely vivid to me. 
I see. What did you and Charlie talk about when you were able to gain his attention during one of those dreams? Dr. Claiborne spun her coffee mug around on her desk to grasp the handle. I remember... I remember yelling at him. I wasn't angry. I was just trying to say hi. He turned his head to look at me, and that's when I knew. The first thing he asked was how I got there, and then the dream faded away. It was brief. That's probably the best way I can describe it. What other dreams have you seen? She inquired, picking up her pen on the desk. She tapped the open file in front of her lightly. I swung my feet under my chair, remembering all the different types of dreams I had seen over the years. Some were fantastical, while others were pure nightmares, the worst horror scenes I had ever seen. It wasn't a question I dwelled on in my waking life. Usually, I would try to forget. It hasn't always been smooth sailing in dreamlands, I managed to say. Dr. Claiborne waited for me to elaborate, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to. While they weren't my personal dreams, I felt a certain sense of duty to maintain their confidentiality. Some of the people I knew personally, while others were complete strangers. I didn't know how far my abilities could reach, but the stories that unfolded in their others' minds didn't feel like my stories to tell. How about we set that subject aside and talk about something else for a few moments? How's your relationship with your family? I knew she had to ask those types of questions to check off the boxes for my file. It was the same one she asked every time I saw her. It's fine. My parents are good people, and Jess is probably enjoying having our bedroom all to herself while I'm gone. I glanced down at my nails as I picked up my cuticles. Do you think Jess looks up to you as her older sister? I suppose. That's the main reason I wanted to do this, I admitted. Jess was only a couple years younger than me and was to start high school in the fall. I could live with being a disappointment to my parents, but I couldn't handle having my little sister wonder why her idol had suddenly fallen from grace. It was difficult enough having to look my parents in the eye when they sat the pill bottle they found stashed under my mattress on the coffee table in front of me. It was at that moment I knew my depression had gotten the best of me. Are the dreams what caused you to turn towards pills? Dr. Claiborne asked, rousing me from my dark thoughts. I took a deep breath before answering. You could say that. I thought that if I didn't sleep, then I wouldn't dream. Adderall was the easiest prescription to get my hands on. The kids at school always had it on them. How did it make you feel? It was another generic question, typical of a psychiatrist. I felt like I could do anything, be who I wanted to be. I could stay awake for days and not feel a thing. It was easier that way. Did you know what to feel? She asked, her pen ready to take more notes. I turned my gaze towards her, abandoning my nails. I thought for a moment about how I wanted to phrase my answer. I just wanted to be alone, inside my own head for a change. I didn't want to see. See what, Aslan? I flinched at the sound of my name upon her lips. She didn't use it very often during our sessions, and sometimes I wondered if she did so only to bring me back into reality when she noticed I was slipping away. Not everyone has sweet dreams, Dr. Claiborne, I whispered. We can sit here and pretend that what I see is a gift, but it's not. You could tell me that it's okay to feel the way I do, but we both know that people are twisted inside, and dreaming is a sort of escape for them. For them, not for me. What does your degree say about that? I saw her chest rise as she took a deep, lingering breath before exhaling a soft sigh. She shifted in her seat behind her desk and placed her pen down on the table as she pulled her black-rimmed glasses from her face. Her face shape reminded me of an apple, because her cheeks were so rosy with prominent dimples near the corners of her small mouth. Coarse black hair framed her features with tight ringlets that brushed the tops of her shoulders. Half of it was pulled away from her face in a small knot at the back of her head. I admire your courage to trust me with your secret, Aslan. 
I'm telling you the truth. And I believe you, Dr. Claiborne continued. I also believe that you were only doing what you thought you had to do with the pills. That's why I'm going to prescribe you a sleeping aid. Doc, I can't go to sleep. Tears formed as I tried to control my breathing. I was absolutely terrified to close my eyes and had barely slept the entire time I was in the facility. It was evident by the dark circles under my eyes and the pallor of my skin. I understand that. One of the side effects of this particular drug is the inability to dream. I think it will help you. I stared at her in silence as the ticking nearby filled the room once more. Dr. Claiborne reached into a drawer behind her desk and pulled out a prescription pad. Clicking her pen, she wrote the prescription down and ripped off the piece of paper, clipping it to my file on her desk before putting the pad away. The nurses will administer the medication in the correct dose for you to take an hour before bedtime. When we meet again next week, we'll discuss your progress. She declared, a gentle smile lighting her face. I knew she was only trying to help, to give me a normal life I so desperately wanted. As appreciative as I was for her consideration of my unique situation, I was apprehensive about committing to her medical decision. What if I took the medication and it trapped me in someone's mind, especially behind these hospital walls? I wasn't sure I could take much more. We still have a few minutes before our session is over. How about we do an open floor? You can talk about whatever's on your mind. She stated as the silence dragged on. My family thinks I'm crazy. I said after a long time. It was the first thought that popped into my head. You've told your parents about your dreams? She asked, an eyebrow raised while she eagerly awaited my answer. I told them when I was younger, but they just thought it was a fanciful imagination. They didn't understand, and I'm not sure they want to listen to my explanation. I remember sitting in our living room upon the floral love seat, crying because my parents thought I just needed attention. So instead of listening to me, they took it upon themselves to start taking me to the city park more often as a way to cope with their ill daughter. Do you have a trouble expressing yourself to them or to others? Dr. Claiborne inquired, resting her hands together on the top of her desk. It depends on what I want to say. If I'm talking about my curse, then yes, it's hard to explain something you can't control. So, your dreams come to you randomly. They're not my dreams, but yes, it's random. Hey guys, Mystic here. Help support the podcast with monthly donations. Reviewing novels is a highlight of my life, and I adore all of your novels and comments. Help us keep the podcast alive and to help pay our wonderful team of editors and voice actors. Till next time, catch you guys later. Much of my story she thought was true. I think you have a unique ability, Eslin. I also think that there's a way you can control it, but you have to learn to embrace it first. From our chat today, you and I both know you don't belong here. I stiffened in my chair, seizing the bouncing notion of my leg. You're not going to commit me, are you? Dr. Claiborne laughed and shushed herself when she saw the fear tinting my eyes. While I didn't particularly like being in a rehabilitation center, I couldn't handle being around actual insane people. It was just another rumor to fuel the fire when I went back to school. Don't thank your mental either. Let's see what happens over the next few weeks before you leave, and we'll go from there. She replied. The door to Dr. Claiborne's office opened as a male nurse stepped through it to collect me. Our session had come to an end, and Dr. Claiborne handed the nurse my file with my new prescription. Glancing at it, his eyes shifted over me before offering a hand to help me out of my seat. Rebuking his offer, I stood and followed him towards the door, my tennis shoe squeaking on the linoleum floor. The doctor stood up from her desk chair and headed over to the doorway to stand beside me. I'll see you soon, Aslan. You'll get the first dose tonight after dinner. 
let me know if you have any side effects of medication other than the one we're hoping for. I hope it helps you. I hope so too. I muttered as I headed out the door as Dr. Claiborne closed it behind me. Following the nurse down the white hallway, I saw him look over his shoulder at me with a smirk. How are you holding up? As innocent as the question was, I wasn't in the mood for trivial conversation. It was fine. Same as usual. You're her last patient of the day. He continued, slowing down to walk beside me instead of in front. She always takes a little longer with you than the others. She does? My interest had been piqued. Perhaps a part of Dr. Claiborne did care for me. We passed other patients and nurses in the hallway as he steered me towards the cafeteria, where others were already seated in front of trays of food. If you need anything, let me know. I leaned over slightly to look at his name badge. Thanks, Harlan. He stood by the double doors as I passed by, heading towards the serving counter. Sometimes I feel like a prisoner within the center. Everything was impeccably clean and white. While the center needed to maintain cleanliness, the scent of disinfectants never left the atmosphere, even with the food behind the glass. The worker behind the counter slapped some food onto my tray and set it atop the glass overhang. I was tired of eating peas and carrots with the meat side, but it was either that or a regular ham and cheese sandwich. Needless to say, the food choices were slim. I picked up a cookie for the dessert, set it down on my tray along with a banana and carton of milk. Nearing the end of the line, I allowed the cashier to scan my bracelet for payment. It all went to my parents' tab. Their faces flashed across my mind. The last time I had seen them, they were sporting disapproving looks. My mother kissed my forehead and told me to stay out of trouble, while my dad couldn't bear to look at me in the eye. My dad and I had always been close, and I didn't think it was the drugs that offended him, but my efforts to keep it a secret instead of confiding in him about my depression. Even I could admit that my coping mechanism wasn't the right choice, but it was the one I had made nonetheless. Walking towards a table, I sat down on the attached stool and placed my tray in front of me. Picking up my fork, I pushed around my peas and carrots as my friend Raven sat across from me. Looking up from my shapeless masterpiece of peas, she waited for me to speak. You're the one who came looking for me. What do you want? I asked flatly. Sounds like you had a very productive therapy session with Claiborne. She mocked. You going to tell me about it? Or make me hold my breath? She took a small bite of her roasted chicken as she grinned. Not only was Raven my only friend in the center, but she was also my roommate. She had immediately adopted me into her dark, twisted world as a self-proclaimed goth. She didn't have a specific drug of choice, but she wasn't unlike the rest of us. Scars were evident along her inner arms, and I could tell that wearing t-shirts made her self-conscious of her image. She brushed a strand of long-dyed black hair away from her face as she picked at her food. I tried not to watch her intensely as she ate but her health concerned me. She was terribly thin due to her addiction to wasting away, so she didn't have to feel anymore. We all wanted the same thing before we found ourselves here, only in different ways. She's cool, I guess, I replied as I shoved a fork full of peas and carrots into my mouth. Uh-huh. You are very talkative today, she teased. Can you believe I'm supposed to eat all of this? I'm already full. I glanced at her plate, which was identical to mine. Chewing my food, I swallowed. It's not that bad. It's awful. I might be able to eat half of this. That will be a start. I mused. You want to get out of here, right? Raven grimaced as she picked at her food some more. Yeah. Don't we all? Then you have to eat it, I replied. They're not going to let you out of here if you keep losing weight. Do you want a feeding tube? Harsh, Raven muttered. Yeah, well, that's what friends do, I stated. Besides, you're my only friend here. Gee, I can't imagine why. 
She smirked as she took another bite of her chicken with a couple of peas. <laughs> I chuckled to myself. This was the way we always talked to each other. It was one of the reasons we were assigned to room together. It was a sisterly bond that neither of us understood, but it was the only thing that kept us from spiraling into madness. She gave me a new medication, I commented. Really? You? I didn't think you were allowed to have any medications. Neither did I. It's supposed to help me sleep, though, I mean, what's the reason I started taking Adderall in the first place? Do you want to sleep? Raven wondered. It's a basic sociological requirement. I have to do it at some point. The medication is supposed to make my sleep dreamless, I remarked. Think whatever spirit is out there. I can't handle another bout of night terrors from you. No offense. Raven declared. None taken. While Raven and I were close within the center, I couldn't bring myself to tell her about my ability. It was hard enough telling Dr. Claiborne, but I didn't want to lose a person who was an actual friend. Is your family coming up next weekend for visitation? Raven asked, plucking me from my thoughts. I'm not sure they're coming, I admitted, as I stabbed a piece of chicken with my fork. You really think they're not going to show up? They seem like good people the last time I met them. Raven pointed out. They've been really busy lately. Every time I try to call from the reception desk, they rush to get me off the phone or don't even answer at all. I kept my gaze focused on my tray in front of me. Didn't your mom just get that new job at the law firm? Maybe they're adjusting. I'm sure they'll be here, though. We only have visitation once every two weeks. She assured. Yeah, and they missed the last two. You got to see your sister. That counts. Raven replied, trying to remain optimistic. I wasn't too keen on a 14-year-old taking a bus out here. Aren't you supposed to be goth? Why are you so optimistic? I asked jokingly. Thanks for stereotyping me. Really appreciate it. She cracked as we both giggled into our food. Don't look behind you. Raven grabbed my hand as I started to turn around. I whipped my attention back to her as we ducked our heads together over our food. You know you can't say something like that and expect me not to look. It's Maria. She's staring you down again. She's harmless. I straightened in my chair as Raven cautiously did the same. I don't know. Raven shifted uncomfortably in her seat, glancing over my shoulder to see if Maria was still staring at me. She acts like she knows you or something. Are you sure you've never met her before? Stuffing my mouth with food, I shook my head to answer. It was better than telling her that I sometimes saw Maria in her dreams, and sometimes she saw me too. Aslan Smith? A woman called out from the medication booth on the other side of the cafeteria. Looks like it's time to take my new meds. You know what that means, I stated. Ugh. Let me go ahead and scarf down this food before the nurses start hassling me. Go get your meds, I'll meet you back in the room." Raven said as she ate more of her peas. Getting up from the table, I emptied my tray in the trash and dropped it off at the window to be washed. Bounding over to the medication booth, the older woman smiled over her glasses and handed me two small paper cups. One contained my little blue pill while the other was filled with crisp water. Taking the pill and washing it down, I showed the nurse my mouth and lifted my tongue. She nodded and checked off a box on her clipboard while taking my cups and depositing them into a trash can on the other side of the window. I walked through the double doors beside the medication booth and down the hallway to the suits. Crossing the threshold of my room, I walked over to my dresser. Taking my hair tie out, I shook out my wavy light brown hair and grazed at the picture of my family. Picking the photo up, I placed my thumb over our smiling faces. It was a lie. All of it. I heard the sound of footsteps entering the room from behind me. You're lucky your family was actually around. At least you still have both your parents. I turned around to see Raven getting ready for bed. The light over the bedside table blinked, giving us a ten minute warning for lights out. Raven shut the door to our room and got into the other twin bed. Kicking off my shoes, I laid on top of the covers, staring at the ceiling. I'm worried, Aslan. 
Raven said suddenly through the silence. I turned over on my side of the small bed to look at her. She did the same to face me. Worried about what? I haven't made much progress since the last visitation. I think my family is going to extend my stay. Raven relayed. We have a while before visitation. I'll help you, if you'll let me. I replied, unsure how much I could do for her. Raven smiled. You're a good person. If anyone deserves a second chance, it's you. I gave her a sideways smile as she turned around and faced her side of the room. Just as the bedside bulb extinguished, turning over onto my back, I stared at the ceiling as my eyes adjusted to the sudden darkness of the room. The glow of the street lights outside our small window near the ceiling behind our beds was the only light source. I listened as Raven's breathing slowed, indicating she was already asleep inside her own head. Closing my eyes, I waited for the familiar feeling to take me within its grip. As I felt myself drift off, I relaxed into the arms of my first dreamless sleep in forever. Okay, just as a disclaimer to you guys, I am not familiar with mystery novels like this. I do not read them in my spare time, and I generally do not get a sense of them, because, I don't know, when I think of mystery, I think of, like, a typical, at least I think it's typical, where they would go out, like, middle of the night, guy in jacket, roaming around the streets, trying to solve mysteries of his dead partner's wife's dog's husband, I don't know. It's just mysteries more like, hmm, I suspect this person, or like murder mysteries, or what are those things called? Where they all like, it's like a dinner party, and there's a dead body, and they're trying to figure out who the mass murderer is, or whatever like that. I don't know what those things are called, but still, that's what I think of when I think of mystery. So it really didn't pull on my interest when I found out that it was mystery, but it did not disappoint at all. When I first read through the summary, the summary was very intriguing to me. The summary wasn't too long, it wasn't too short, it gave a nice, good chunk of information of how it was going to be laid out. The only thing that I would have against the summary is the spacing. Now, for me personally, I don't like looking at a big glob of words at one time. It confuses me, my eyeballs go everywhere, ADHD, ha 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 ha, um... But aside from that, I would probably work on fixing that. I don't know. It just looks like a big clump, and I feel like they can be spaced out a little bit more and stuff like that. But you do give really good descriptions and really good details within your summary. You might want to hold back on the details a little bit, considering it is just a summary, and it's supposed to get your readers intrigued with the novel itself. But either way, the summary itself is just perfect. Just don't want to go too he- you just don't want to go too heavening heavening. Oh, imagine saying that word. You don't want to go too heavy on with the details. Too much spice, and people don't like their meat spice like that. They want it nice and tender and golden. I don't know why I'm talking about food. Maybe because I'm really hungry. But aside from that, the summary was pretty good. Not to also mention, I really adore your cover. Your cover is very nice, and it's very... I feel like it truly, truly describes every waking dream of how... I can't say her name properly. Aslan? Aslan? Oh, 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 that sounds so bad. But still, the main character. The main character, I feel like this really is a good description of how the main character is going throughout her life. If you guys heard in chapter one, this girl has, I want to say power, but doesn't really feel like a gift to her, the ability, per se, 
to go into other people's dreams and watch other people's dreams, nightmares, fantasies all play out while they're sleeping. And she has absolutely no power, nor does she have any control of it, which I find very, very interesting. This plot is definitely unique to me. I would have never thought that literally seeing other people's dreams could put you in such a predicament where you would have to be put into a rehab center for taking medications to make you stay awake longer. Not even gonna lie though, if somebody would have saw my dreams, I would probably stay stay awake all night as well. So I'm not harming, uh, I'm not throwing any shade your way for doing that. Cheese and sprinkles, they'd probably stay awake for a couple of nights if they saw what I dreamed about. Oof, um, wet pad fiction stories really, really be hitting the vibes. But aside from that, I can generally, I don't know, I generally see where the story is going and I like it. But you might want to not make it too predictable. As I've already seen it, I kind of already reading through chapter one, I get a good basis and I know the good lining of the story. She took too much drugs, her parents, parents, her parents found out about it. Now they sent her to rehab. She's doing good on this medication, but, but I feel, I've only read so far into it, but I feel like the medication is eventually going to stop working for her. I eventually feel that maybe something super dramatic and super like, I don't know, crazy happens. Like somebody's going to die and she, and she knows how they died in their, their dreams or whatever like that. And she has to put something together and prove to everybody, hey, I know how this person died. Who knows? Who knows, I am still currently on chapter two or three, I believe, and fairly it's really good. Visitation's finna be spicy, but I don't want to give too much away to you guys. If you want to know more, definitely, definitely read more into it. But I don't know, maybe because I have not read far enough into it to see if it's going to end the way that I think it is going to. But at the same time, though, I highly doubt it because I've also mentioned I am not very familiar with mystery stories. And I'm also very terrible of who is the, very terrible at predicting who the actual murderer or serial killer guy ha 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 is. I said ha with stabbing motions, if you guys couldn't get the drift of that. I didn't laugh. <laughs> okay. But aside from that, I don't know. I maybe have to keep reading a little bit more to generally get a good grounding of it. But this story is really, really good in my opinion. I like it. Um, there are a couple of run-on sentences. What I mean by that is there are a couple of sentences that just go on for, like, a long time. Instead of maybe, like, one or two lines, they go on for, like, three or four here and there in chapter one. So you might want to go through, add an extra comma or two in there, maybe shorten it up a little bit. Not to also mention, you add a lot of really good descriptive details within this whole entire story. I can definitely see the main layout of the building. I know what everything looks like. I know everything everything you never ever miss a beat you don't miss a single detail as far as i can see and i generally find that very interesting and very nice not to also mention the way you describe the characters like how you describe claiborne it's very very articulated if that's for lack of a better term very articulated i generally like the way you described her i like the way you described most of the things in the building but but too much detail can always be too much of a problem. You want to, mm, I want to say you don't want to spend three full paragraphs describing something, although you have not done that up to my standpoint as I've only read so far. 
but too much detail in one sentence can make it a little too wordy and also add on to the fact that you do have a couple of run-on sentences in there. So I don't know, maybe just check through that again and just watch your wordplay and watch how many words you want to put into one sentence. I definitely know that I have that same exact problem, putting too much fluor- <laughs> fluorescent lights. Uh, imagine that word coming to your head and coming out of your mouth. Too much, uh, what's it called? Fluoresc, I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, but for lack of a ter- better term, too many fancy words can really, really dull down the experience of each sentence. Each, each sentence. God, words are not coming to me today. But aside from that, you might want to watch out for that for the future. In general sense, you've done a really great job of describing every single part of the setting, characters, and so much more. But maybe too much is just as it is. Little too much. But too less is definitely too less. Try to find that good, even spacing in between it, and you will be absolutely be golden. Although, I, I feel like I have no room to talk, because I do some of the same mistakes that you do as well. Too many big words to make you sound all cool and nice and fancy, but then, like, it's a long sentence later, and you're, like, out of breath by the time you, like, read it. Or, like, it just sounds weird a little bit. You had one sentence, I believe, that sounded a little bit weird, if memory serves me correctly. Ugh, I feel like I'm doing a Jimmy Neutron thing with my head, like, go deep. Ugh, it's not in my notes either. I am so sorry. But there is that one sentence, or a few, in there that just sounds a little bit weird. So you might want to check over that. It had something to do with, like, her thought process. She's like, I thought I was doing this, but it turns out this doesn't even exist. Or somewhere along those lines. It just sounded very choppish and... Righteous, she came to me saying, like, hey, this sounds a little bit weird. You want me to say it in a different way? And I said, go ahead. You already, you got this. I believe in you, so you can just do whatever you think is best. But, I don't know, maybe watch out for those long words. Because sometimes when you try to make it sound super cool, especially with the writing style that you have, which is amazing, by the way, it might take away from the experience. It might be a little too wordy, also make it a little too long. But your overall writing... It's very interesting, and it's very, very cool. I genuinely like the way you write, considering you give, uh, I'm going to keep saying it, you give so much great descriptive detail than the whole entire story, which is immaculate. Deliciosos. Wow. Amazing. Aside from that, I also didn't really see any grammar or punctuation areas that I can make note of within your story. Grammar and punctuation is fairly good, fairly way better than mine, so I honestly have no room to critique or judge the way that you format. Besides watching out for that long paragraph sentence for your summary, you might want to split that up a little bit just to make it look prettier, in my opinion, you know, pretty picture, pretty whatever. Aside from that, your plot is also very cool. I really do like it. I find it so interesting. And it really, really makes me want to read more. And it's going to make readers want to read more. And it's phenomenal. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. Somebody who can see those people, I really, really, really am curious to see how this is going to go. I personally, me trying to predict things and foreshadow and stuff like that, I feel like it's going to end up in a murder mystery or something like that, you know? I hope it doesn't. But at the same time, if it does, I will generally not be disappointed. 
you know, I, I will not be disappointed if it does end up that way. I just have to read more and figure it out more and stuff like that. But aside from that, really good job. For my overall rating, I definitely do, definitely do, I definitely do think that it does deserve a 4.8. I wouldn't give it a 5 points just because of that little summary thing and the few weird, weirded sentences. So not weird, few red weirded sentences just a little bit just a little bit maybe it's just me maybe it's just right just it just sounded a little bit weird while reading and also while voicing it out and stuff like that but aside from those key points this story is amazing you guys i would definitely recommend reading it and so much more not to mention raven makes me laugh a little bit she's supposed to be like a goth but she doesn't sound so stereotypical it's also another thing that I like. I don't like stereotypes. I like things to go over and beyond, be unique, be yourself to the highest point of life. And for Raven to be giving the Raven, the goth Raven, the goth Raven to be giving, I'm still going to say the main character's name, but Alice, he, it starts as two, I don't know. Still, to be given the main character, like, don't worry, you can still do this, and don't worry, you can do it, don't worry, your family's gonna come on vegetation, vegetation, vis, visitation day, Jesus, today, with me and words are just non-existent, but aside from that, it's hilarious, she makes me laugh, because she's supposed to be the, oh, oh, dark is me, oh, wall and pain, hard rock music, painting my eyes black, I don't know, painting tattoos, I don't know, I don't know how goths, goths work, so I'm not gonna even try to bring that stereotype into existence, but still, I like her optimism, and I think she's a pretty good friend, and I cannot wait to see what happens more on visitation days, because so far, as far as I can see, it is getting super spicy, beautiful. Other than that, guys, I would definitely recommend reading this book, this author is up on Inkit, and so much more, follow, like, share, and comment, everything, worth the read 100%. But that's all we have for today as we've kept it real on Mystical Mode. Catch you guys later. I don't know about you, but I get tired of reading the same story over and over and over again. I just want to spice things up and really get out there. And I definitely have spiced up my reading list by adding The Silent Witness by author Kim. This story brings into a new light of Greek mythology, folklores, and just general legends. It is an amazing read that I highly recommend to anybody with a fantasy tooth who just can't wait to dig into new lining of life. So, with that in mind, read The Silent Witness and definitely, definitely enjoy. Link is in the bio. good you guys welcome to our little bonus feature here where we give you guys more than just one opinion and not just my own for every waking dream written by author lady rollin reviewed by allison they say this book has me chained to it love the storyline overall rating five out of five stars plot five out of five stars writing style five out of five stars grammar punctuation five out of five stars Reviewed by Kelly Keen 4, they say, I like it. It's so good. I really want to read more chapters right away. Overall rating is 5 out of 5 stars. Plot, 5 out of 5 stars. 
writing style, 5 out of 5 stars. Grammar and punctuation, 5 out of 5 stars. Awesome job! And one of our last reviews, reviewed by David, they say, Although I love this novel, there are a few grammatic errors, but all the same, it's interesting. Overall rating is 4 out of 5 stars. Plot, 4 out of 5 stars. Writing style, 4 out of 5 stars. Grammar punctuation, 3 out of 5 stars. Well, that's all we have for today as we've kept it real on Mystical Mode. Catch you guys next time!